Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Stories in the Dark. This is season three of our spooky little podcast, and our theme this season is Monsters and Mayhem. I hope you enjoy our stories, because we certainly enjoy you. Hello, horror fans. It has been a while. Welcome back to Stories in the Dark. This is our Halloween special episode. Before we dive in, I just wanted to give you a quick update on where we have been. You may have noticed that we've been a little busy lately. If you follow us on Instagram, you've probably already heard. But we have launched a brand new podcast called Finding Satan. It's the story of a girl who is obsessed with evil, and she will do anything to prove it exists. Finding Satan is released every two weeks. There are 13 episodes, and we have released up to three so far. It's a serial podcast, meaning you can hear the story from beginning to end over the course of those 13 episodes. I hope you like it. I'm convinced that you will. Stay tuned after this episode, and you can hear episode one of Finding Satan. The Black Circle. But for now, let's get started and hear about the box. My husband likes to surprise me on my birthday. Well, he likes to surprise me all the time, but especially on my birthday and even more especially on holidays. I've come to expect his surprises, so it was with a total lack of surprise when I woke up on Wednesday morning, exactly one week before my birthday, and found a twee little box on my bedside table. I looked around, but my husband had gone. Probably an early meeting. He loves to let me sleep in. I sat up and tied my dressing gown around me, for fall was in the air, a crisp chill that threatened to sink into my bones and bear me down. I mustn't allow that to happen. The box found its way to my hand. I traced its sides marveling at the smoothness of the black wood. It wasn't lacquered, and yet it was stained a magnificent deep black, much like the depths of space where the stars sleep. My fingers felt an irregularity in the wood on one side, a tiny bump, but try as I might, I could not see it. I felt all the sides, looking for more hints, but I found none. At least, I thought I found none. But as I went over them, 
over and over again, I realized that this strange little box, a perfect cube, had a total of seven sides, not six. What an odd little present. I texted my husband to thank him for his gift, but I did not hear back right away. He's always such a busy man. Sometimes, it was as if my texts couldn't quite reach him wherever he went. The little box sat next to me on my vanity while I prepared myself for the day, with the creams and makeup and whatnot smoothed into the thin skin of my face and neck and chest. There is only so much one can do to stop the ravages of time, and I am positively ravished by time. I cannot even tell you how much time. It is a wonder he is not tired of me yet, as the decades lose distinction and blur into centuries, or so it seems. I am quite sure I left the little box behind on my vanity as I went about my day, drinking breakfast and sorting the housekeepers, before I retired to my office to attend to my letters. One gets so many invitations this time of year. Halloween balls and birthday parties and cards. We can only attend a few here and there, and everyone is so excited to see us. This year, I am faded and tired, my own work having worn me down to a nub of myself. It was when I reached for my little box of stamps that I realized I had somehow picked up this strange little seven-sided box by mistake. Odd, since it hadn't been on my desk or even in this room at all. Perhaps one of the housekeepers had moved it in here, thinking I'd want it with me. Also, the box seemed to be humming in a self-satisfied way. What have you been up to, my darling? I asked it, but of course, it being just a little box, it did not respond. An old friend telephoned just then. I confess, the ringing of the phone gave me a bit of a start. And, while we caught up, I must admit I handled the little box possibly a bit too much for this strange humming stopped. I told my friend about my husband's little gift, and she agreed with me. It must be quite special. I must figure out how to open it, I told her, and she laughed and replied that she was rather sure it would open in its own time. My husband texted that evening and said he'd been called away on business and not to wait up. I tried to bring the little box to bed with me, but I couldn't find it. Oh well. The next morning, again, the box appeared by my bed. I must feel it, I thought, and quickly snatched it off the nightstand, my fingers roaming over its seven sides 
feeling for the little bump that I already knew so well. It was there. In fact, it seemed to have grown a little friend, a second bump on the same side. It struck me then. I knew, and I do not know how I knew, but I became convinced these two little bumps were on the seventh side. I put it in the pocket of my little jacket as I dressed so I could have it with me as I went about my day. The housekeepers were in an uproar. One of them had disappeared, and they seemed to think I was at fault somehow. I have been nothing but kindness itself to the housekeepers, and would never harm one, no matter the rumors. I, of course, told them she must have run off in time for Halloween, but I could tell by the dark looks they gave me throughout the day that they did not believe my theory. Fine. The whispering became too much for me. I could not get any work done, and so I called for a car and left to do some shopping. Box safely tucked away in my pocket. Is there anything more glorious than shopping during Halloween season? All the fake blood and skeletons and giant spiders. Witches and goblins and tombstones everywhere, and children running around calling trick-or-treat in their piping little voices. I love your costume, the shop girls tell me, and I admit to this little vanity, it makes my day. I reached for the little box just to feel its bumps, but it wasn't in my pocket. I panicked a bit, but I must have left it home by mistake. The girl gave me a questioning look. She saw on my face that I'm missing something, and she wanted to help me, but of course she couldn't. Some things are beyond even very posh shop girls. They wrapped my purchases so nicely, all black and orange and glitter, and I went on to another store, a very fancy purse store. You know the one. I found a twee little bag, just the right size for my wallet and keys and the seven-sided box, and maybe some gloves. My old black silk gloves, yes. It was black and lovely, with a little pattern that reminded me of old skin. Not mine, of course. <laughs> the car was waiting for me outside the shops. The driver tucked my bags away and asked me if I was ready for lunch. I had meant to eat at my favorite restaurant, but I told the driver to take me home. A little lurch in my stomach at the thought of staying away longer. A feeling, a pull to go back to the house with my trophies in hand. I reached for my pocket again, knowing it would be empty. But my fingers touched wood, and there it was, all seven sides, the box back in my pocket where it belonged. I rubbed its sides, and there was a new bump, a third, 
and the box seemed to thrum under my fingers, a warm hum. At the house, I changed into my dressing gown and picked up the day's letters. The box sat on the writing table next to me while I read them. More invitations, a letter from an old friend, and a card from my husband. No postmark, of course. He says the funniest things. In this one, he said to make sure to take care of the box and he'd be home soon. <sighs> I felt restless. I wrote my letters. I read by candlelight. Nothing satisfied me. I wandered into the kitchen to look for something to eat. No one had done the shopping, so I ate an old apple and some cheese. There was no fresh meat. Where were the housekeepers? Weren't they supposed to do the shopping? But they were gone. All of them. I wandered through the house, up the staircase, the wood of the rail warm under my hand, my knees creaking more than the steps. I try not to use the stairs. I've little reason to go upstairs, and I often wonder what goes on up there. There could be entire families in the upper wings, and I'd never know. Maybe that's where they were? I walked the upper halls. I looked into the unused rooms, untouched by dust or time. The rugs were soft under my feet, but they could not muffle the echoing emptiness of this house. This empty house. There was no one here. I was all alone in this great big house. I sank to the floor, my gown pooling around me. When had I last been completely alone? I reached out my hand and the box was there. The wood, it wasn't normal. So smooth and so black, it couldn't be natural. But it was. It was itself. Completely and wholly itself. I rubbed its seventh side. There were more bumps now. I could feel a pattern to them, but I couldn't quite make it out. My phone buzzed with a text from my husband. Go to bed, darling, it said. It won't be much longer. As in a dream, I picked up the box and stood, slipping it into my dressing gown pocket. The edges of the gown drifted around me as I trailed down the stairs. I was so sleepy. I slid into the clean sheets, already drowsing. I felt ready for something. Even the hunger from my meager meal couldn't touch me. I almost couldn't bear to put the box on the nightstand. I wanted it closer to me, 
close as could be, but it didn't feel right to have it in the bed. I set it on the very edge of the nightstand, just right there, and then I slipped into the land of dreams, down into the deep waters under the world. I dreamed of the box. We were drifting in a black sea full of stars. The water was warm and heavy, and we floated, never getting wet. I tasted the water, and it was warm and coppery and familiar. The box floated next to me. It seemed to be watching me with a particularly eyeless sight. All around us, the stars winked out, one by one. It grew darker and darker, and as the darkness grew, I could see a sort of light coming from the box. It didn't move, and yet it started to open, like a flower, starting with the seventh sign. My heart pounded in my chest. I wanted to see, but I didn't want to see. One by one, the sides came apart, and I leaned over the box, trying to see inside it. But just as it opened, the sea blinked away, and I woke in my own bed. It was still dark. I was afraid to look at the box. So afraid. But it needed me to look at it. Whatever it was, it would be worse if I didn't look. I turned on the bedside light. Not knowing if I feared that the box would be open, or feared that it wouldn't. But no, it sat there unchanged, and next to it, improbably enough, lay my letter opener, sharp and glittering in the light. I was certain I'd left it on my writing desk, and yet there it was, next to the box. I felt a sense of urgency. The box must open tonight. It was ready. I did not know what would happen if it did not open. Possibly, my husband would be disappointed that I had not properly cared for his gift. A small thing? Or perhaps a world somewhere would end. I thought of the lights in that dark sea, those lovely lights and the letter opener so conveniently at hand. I picked it up and turned it one way and then the other. I didn't want to make a mess, but I suspected that one way or another it wouldn't matter. And with a quick slash I sliced open my hand, deep so the blood would flow, and flow it did. I picked up the box with my bloody hand and held it aloft. As I held the box, the blood faded and was gone, just like the stars, and 
Just like in my dream, the box began to open, starting with the seventh side. One by one, a dark light shining from it, until it lay open on my palm and I could at last see what was inside. Red and twisted, it beat in my hands. A living heart, human or close enough, close enough indeed. I almost laughed, but I did not want to laugh in front of this still beating heart. Close enough, I whispered, and raised it to my lips and tasted it, warm and coppery like the Black Sea. I opened my mouth and slipped the heart inside, that still beating heart. And as I bit into it, my phone began to buzz, and for once I ignored it. For once I stayed perfectly present in the moment as I bit and chewed and swallowed and ate the heart from the seven-sided box. I was so hungry after all, and so I ate and ate until my phone stopped ringing and the great empty house was silent once more. I hope you liked our story. Don't forget, we have Halloween episodes from previous years on Stories in the Dark. Go find them. They are spooky and creepy, and I know you'll like them. And if you're ready for more, keep listening, and you will hear episode one of our new show, Finding Satan. The Black Circle. Thank you everyone for all your support of Stories in the Dark. We are not leaving you, but we will be slowing down. So when you get a new episode, consider it our little gift to you, just like the box. It is a gift you must be careful when you open. See you soon. I like to stay alone to keep my head from exploding. People call me crazy. Well, they're just hoping. This is Finding Satan, a Black Cat Collective podcast. Episode 1 The Black Circle. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm searching for Satan. (laughs) That was awkward. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm working on my master's thesis at NYU in comparative religion. I'm on a quest to prove that evil exists. Not just normal, mundane, everyday human evil, but like, EVIL, all caps. The source of all evil, the cloven-hooded dude himself. My thesis topic is Finding Satan. Man, it's hard to say that out loud. I sound like a crazy person. But really, my whole life I've been obsessed with the question of whether or not true darkness exists. When I read a book, I want it to be spooky. 
When I hear a story, I want it to be a ghost story. I want the supernatural to exist. I want to know there's something more. I want to believe. I want demons and ghouls and spooks and specters. I want there to be a lord of evil directing everything. I want to believe there's a reason, that there's more, that there's after. I want it to all make sense. I guess that's why I started studying comparative religion. Most religions think there's a reason we do evil things. I want to know that reason. I want to look him in the eyes, see his face. Because if the devil exists, so does God. And I have a few questions for both of them. Dr. Carlisle, my thesis advisor, suggested that I record this as I go. I don't know why. It's going to be incredibly boring, but he thinks it'll help me organize my thoughts. Something that doesn't come naturally to me, I must admit. So here I am, my first recording. I'll be sending all my audio files to my friend Matt, who says he'll post these every two weeks. If anyone's even listening. If you are, I, I may ask for your help. This feels like a lot to do by myself. I'm looking for real evidence of evil. That includes places, experiences, people. So write to me if you want to. FindingSatan at gmail.com I'm about to speak to Dr. Carlisle, my thesis advisor, to talk about my plan. He said he had some ideas. Hang on, I'm about to Skype him. I don't know why he always wants to use Skype. He can never manage to get on camera. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Dr. Carlisle? I- I'm recording like you asked. I hope that's okay. Yes, of course. Now, talk to me about your thesis. When I approved your topic, I was excited to hear more about your research plan. Yeah... Sarah? What's wrong? Well, I love my idea. I'm still really excited about it, but it's pretty daunting. I'm not really sure where to start, to be honest. I appreciate the honesty. Well, this is what I'm here for. Listen. I spoke with one of my colleagues earlier, and he has a graduate student, Alan, who might be able to help. Alan apparently created one of the most detailed research plans we've seen in quite a while. I'd like you to speak with him. Oh, okay. That sounds like exactly what I need. A detailed research plan. It is. Talk to Alan, see what he has to say, and get back to me. Just one word of warning. Alan can be a bit... pedantic. Academic. Just think of him as a way to balance your impulsive tendencies. Thanks? You're welcome. I've taken the liberty of scheduling a call with him for you at 3pm your time. And I let him know what, uh, you're looking for. Let me know how it goes. Dr. Carlisle can be a bit much. I'm a little nervous about talking to this Allen guy. Mr. Detailed Plan. I drank like a gallon of coffee and I'm pretty sure I can hear colors now. 
Okay, it's almost time. Alan? Hey, Sarah, good to meet you. Thanks for doing this. Dr. Carlisle is a big fan of yours. I'm happy to help. Um, are you recording this? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I should have said something. This is my first time. And, you know, I. No, no, it's fine. He told me you would. He also told me to remind you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That sounds like him. Anyway, I'm not sure how much he told you, but I'm looking for evidence that evil exists. I'm trying to prove not only that there is real evil, but that Satan, the embodiment of evil, is real. That he is the source of evil. That's three things. What? N never mind, sorry. Uh, just those are three separate things to prove. Although I guess if you prove the final one, you prove the first two as well. What exactly is your specialty, Alan? Syncretism. Well, really, where syncretism and cultural appropriation start and end together. Syncretism. The practice of one religion absorbing aspects of another. More or less, yeah. Basically, I'm making a giant Venn diagram of religious appropriation and cultural appropriation. It's interesting. But, like, why? I, I don't mean to be rude, but I've only got another 10 minutes or so, and Dr. Carlisle was very insistent that I help you. I don't think you want to hear me ramble on about my work. Uh, tell me, what are you looking for? Oh my god, I'm sorry. I just, I'm very easily distracted. Maybe we can talk another time about your work. Okay, here's my question. Given that you've studied a lot of different religions, and you're kind of an outsider to my topic, if you were me, where would you start? Pardon? I mean, you know I'm looking for evidence of evil. What would you consider proof of evil? Where would you start looking if you wanted to prove that evil exists? Sarah, I want you to know I'm an atheist. This is literally all academic for me. I see why Dr. Carlisle wanted me to talk to you. He wants me to have a little more objectivity. But this is perfect. You wouldn't be easy to convince. You're not a believer. So where would you start? What would you do? Are you a believer? No. I don't know. I want to believe, though. Okay, Mulder. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess I go back to the oldest records. I'm a bit of a researcher, you see. So I'd look at the records of the oldest monasteries, the churches, the things they felt in the saw, their journals, their notes, the letters they wrote each other. Most of that hasn't been digitized yet. No, but that's part of the excitement for me. Digging through old records no one has looked at it hundreds of years. Bringing in linguists to help with translations and language drift. I mean, everything we have in our religious texts has been told and written and retold for so long. What about everyone else's stories? What didn't make it into the books? Sarah? 
that just sounds really subjective to me. I I don't think I'm doing a good job explaining it then. Here's the thing we all learned in Comp Religion 101. There's a certain synchronicity to major historical religious events. The flood, the child of God walking the earth. There's so many things that made it into almost every major religion, right? Yeah, we learned that. Right. But, like, those things, those aren't syncretism. They have no logical explanation. To an atheist like me, that means something happened. Something that made it into what passed for history books back in the day. The religious stories. And there is a concept of evil, too. So if you're asking me, which you are, what I would do, I would look for the common threads. I'd read the written histories of the monks, the Catholics, the Zoroastrians, the Tibetans, and I'd look for the echoes in the stories. The stories that are the same across the world. If there is a devil, He's not just showing up in one place, you know? He'd be everywhere. His finger's in everything. If he's real, if he's there, he's everywhere. That's great, Alan. That's exactly what I needed. But... But what? Well, it just seems so dry. It's so... Researchy. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my thing. Dry and researchy. I guess I just pictured this whole thing to be exciting. You know, like, sexy, even. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Most people's thesis work isn't... sexy? Listen, I need to go, but I'd like to talk again. I'd like that, too. I'll set something up through Dr. Carlisle. Uh, but Sarah, first, I just want to say, be careful. Why? Aren't you an atheist? I am, but I'm not a fool. If the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing people he didn't exist, how far would he go to make sure no one finds him? That's a good point. Thanks, Alan. <sighs> that wasn't exactly what I expected. Also, I totally forgot to ask him about a plan. But, I mean, he didn't bring it up either. I have to admit, I don't actually want... I just... <sighs> I need a break. I'll be back in a bit. Okay, I need some time to process what Alan said. Like, it makes sense, right? But it doesn't feel right for me, at least not right now. I want to go somewhere. I want to see things. I want to feel it. I want to sit in dank basements and read about a bunch of old dudes who hated women. 
Trust me, after a few years of studying religion, a girl gets real sick of hearing about how evil women are. So, yeah. Thanks, Alan, for the advice, but that's not really me. I'm going to start a little closer to home. I found this thing, a dead spot here in Texas. It's mentioned on an occult website called... They call it the Black Circle. Supposedly, nothing grows there, and people report strange feelings, vision distortions. One person even claimed to see a demon. There's rumors of satanic rituals being performed there as well. And there's stories of kids disappearing, drugs, weird sex things. You know, the usual. I reached out to someone in a local occult group, and she's agreed to talk to me. Hang on, that's her. Hi. Hi. Sarah? This is Diane. Diane, thank you for agreeing to talk to me. I'm interested in hearing more about this black circle. Are you okay with me recording this? Yeah, sure. What do you want to know? What are you looking for? I'm looking for Satan, actually. (laughs) Have you been there? To this black circle? You've seen it? I've been there a few times. Never saw Satan, though. (laughs) What can you tell me about it? Well, would you like to see it? I can meet you there and show you around. I don't really like talking on the phone much. Wow, seriously? That would be amazing. Yeah. Meet me at the parking lot of Blackstone Quarry Park. Perfect. Thank you. I'll see you there. My first field trip. Okay, I need to get ready. I'll start recording again when I'm close. I'm driving up to this park just outside of a small suburb in central Texas, 100 miles west of Odessa. Blackstone Quarry Park was only briefly mined back in the 30s before it was abandoned. Apparently, there were a number of accidents and it became too expensive to operate safely. There's a small parking lot. Oh, there's another car here. That must be Diane. This woman does not look occult. She looks like someone's aunt. She's tall, with long black and gray hair, and she's wearing, I shit you not, designer athleisure. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the brand, but they make really good leggings. Super expensive. Diane? Yes, hello. Thank you for meeting me here. It's a little spooky to be in a new place by myself. There's not much out here, dear. I promise anything you find would be more scared of you. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Do you come out here often? We'll take this path to the left. I don't come out here much. I know you found me through that site, but I don't practice much anymore. Oh, do you mind that I'm recording this? Not at all. Thanks. I know I explained in my email, but I'm trying to record all my thesis research. Hmm. 
If you don't mind me asking, why don't you practice as much anymore? Well, there's hardly any point, is there? I guess. I mean, I'm not really familiar with the occults. You're part of a group? Yes, but a lot of the old members have drifted apart. I haven't seen them in so long. You know how it is. Yeah, that makes sense, but... Oh, what is that? That buzzing sound? It's why you're here. I wonder if my mic is picking it up. Why does it do that? I don't know. Well, that's a lie. <laughs> Lying's a hard habit to break, ha-ha. I guess I do have a theory. You know how rattlers shake their tail if you get too close? Yeah, like a predatory warning. Something like that. I think it's telling us it's here. It wants us to know what we're walking into. Have you ever actually seen it do anything? I I'm not sure. These woods are pretty. Yes. This is one of the few areas they didn't clear out for houses. There were rumors that they wanted to, but just didn't. Couldn't. No one wanted to do much with the land after the quarry went bust. The path is pretty well tended. Mm-hmm. Do the trees end up there? We're almost there. Oh, wow. You see it now. Yeah. Um, we've been on a really smooth dirt path, but the trees in the path just end suddenly, and a few feet away, there it is. The circle. What do you see, Sarah? Um, it's a circle. Twelve feet by twelve feet. Completely flat and, and black, like black concrete. Not textured like asphalt. But it's not concrete. I, I can't tell what it's made of. And there are lines. Patterns? Are there patterns in it? I think the lines are making a shape in the ground, like some kind of symbol. Probably. Do you see anything else? What do you mean? Do you see him, Sarah? I, no, no, I... No, but I, I feel weird. I, My skin hurts. The, the buzzing is louder, and it, it looks like the lines are moving, but I'm sure it's just the sun. It's, it's hot today, right? It's, it's just the sun. It, heat waves on the, on the black ground. It's not the sun! What do you see, Sarah? Do you see him? Diane? What are you doing? Diane? Do you see him? Diane? Oh no. Oh no, 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 shit, 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 shit. 911, what's your emergency? Hello? My name is Sarah Lyons, and there's been an accident at the Black Circle out of Blackstone Quarry Park. Yes, I'll be here. Please hurry. I think she's dead. Please. Okay. Yes. No, it was just us. There's no one else here. There's so much blood. It's filling the lines. The lines are full of her blood. What? Why would she... Why would she do that? What is it doing? I need to stop recording now. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I need to talk to Dr. Carlisle. I need to go.
Finding Satan is written and directed by Gabrielle Aw, produced by Jeremy Herbel, and starring Emily Mascolo as Sarah. Special thanks to our actors, Emily Mascolo, Jeremy Herbel, Justin Nikolai, and Mike Scalero. Finding Satan is a Black Cat Collective production. See you next time. inside